Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Uh, I am excited about today's episode. I am ready to pay attention. Very good. Well, let's talk about attention then. All right, you have my attention. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So this episode is about attention, which, of course, has a colloquial meaning, but like some things in machine learning, it has a slightly more technical meaning as well, which is worth going into today. So that's what we're doing. Okay. So this isn't just some people thought, ooh, we'll give it a clever name. This is actually um, a term that has meaning in the world of machine learning. Well, it does have meaning in the world of machine learning. I, I can't speak for what was going through the heads of the folks who named it when they named it. But I think they were trying to give it a, a name that's sort of intuitive and that captures the idea mm. that they wanted to capture, which is kind of what the name implies. Like, what does it mean when you're paying attention to something? Yeah, it means you are... <laughs> it's funny. It's so hard to define words without using the words. The words. Um, <laughs> it means that you are focusing... <laughs> focusing your attention. It means you are focusing yourself on the particular thing. Yeah, I think one definition that I saw when I was reading up on this that I thought was was pretty helpful is that um, there's this field of sensation that you have when you're going through the world. So this can be in the context of vision or sound. Let's take the example of vision. So there's this field of sensation, which is all the things that you can see, but you have uneven consideration across that. So a focus... Uh, or attention rather means that there are certain parts of that that you're focusing on, and then there are certain parts of it that are peripheral, either literate, literally or figuratively. Right, right. I guess in the in the case of vision, you are literally telling your brain is literally telling your eyeballs to point at the thing that you are paying attention to, and then the neurons in your brain are like lining up in such a way that that's that's kind of where you're where your focus is. Yeah. Right. And it's also, it's also true of something that happens in language as well. So there's, there's a lot of different examples I could give here, but different words mean have different amounts of uh, consideration that they get when you're listening to them. Like we've talked about how certain nouns and verbs are really important, but things like uh, the, the glue words that hold sentences together, just helper verbs and the articles and prepositions and things like that. Those aren't things that you pay that much attention to usually, but they're still there and they're still sort of processing as you're listening to someone speak or as you're reading. Right. So what does the concept of attention mean in the machine learning world? Yeah, that's a great question. So it usually comes up in the context of neural nets, whether they're usually either recurrent neural nets for uh, speech or natural language processing, or they are convolutional neural nets for something like computer vision or image recognition. So when you think about, let's use the computer vision example because I think it's uh, kind of tidy. So let's suppose you have a picture and you're doing an image identification task. You're trying to say what objects are in the picture. And in practice, what that means is there's a bunch of pixels that go into one end of the neural net. And then on the other side, there pops out a label or like a number in a vector that corresponds to a label like this is a dog or this is a car or whatever. Right, right. And so the internal stuff that's happening inside of the neural net is that there's different weights that are getting applied to the different connections between the layers of the neurons. And so attention is, if you want to think about it this way, it's a scheme for upweighting certain inputs 
that deserve a disproportionate amount of the credit for the answer that the neural net comes up with. Does that oh, make sense? Interesting. Yeah. yeah so so it, it's like so a spotlight. It right. So so you're kind of spotlighting specifically the inputs. Is that kind of where it gets applied? In particular, yeah. You're spotlighting. You're giving high weight to the inputs that have a particularly large role to play in the credit assignment problem that's happening inside of the neural net. Okay, so this could be like, so you gave the image classification example, it could be like a quite literal spotlight where you're saying, pay more attention to the center of the image, or it could be something like, pay more attention to the, the red pixels or the red channel in the image or something like that. Roughly speaking, yeah. And then the, in the the inner guts of the algorithm, pay more attention. The way that the way that that gets manifested is it means that those pixels, the ones that are most relevant, are the ones that have the heaviest weight. So they're taking that spotlight and they're pointing it at the part of the picture that's most relevant for figuring out what label it wants to assign. So if you want to think about it this way, there's some pretty cool visualizations and stuff like that. You know, credit assignment, let me put that another way. Uh, let's say that the answer that your neural net comes up with, is this a dog or is this a car? It says this is, this is a dog. Uh, credit assignment means why did you say it's the dog? And so a neural net can't explain itself, but it can say, here are the pixels that I was using in making that assessment. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what the spotlight is, is it's you know, popping out what those pixels are. Um, and there's, we're using the computer vision example here pretty heavily to start with because it has a nice analogy. Like everybody understands the idea of a spotlight and you can imagine a picture of a dog that has the dog pixels lit up as being the ones that get the attention. But there's also an analogy in recurrent neural networks for doing natural language processing. And in fact, this attention mechanism is pretty important for some of the advances that have come out of the machine learning community lately, especially around word embeddings. We had a episode a few weeks ago about word embeddings like Bert and Glove, and maybe there were others, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Those are all things that are enabled by attention. Okay, so I, I feel like I was following you with the vision example, because I have eyes and and they see, and I can kind of uh, I can imagine and grok this a little bit better with the vision analogy. But I didn't quite I, I don't quite understand exactly how that would apply to natural language processing. So can we maybe dig into that a bit more? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a great point. So there's a lot of things that make natural language processing hard. Just to back up here for a minute, and like, how does this? What does this have to do with word embeddings? Uh, so word embeddings are tricky because words can mean different things and different words can be particularly important or in some cases less important depending on the context. And so a lot of the challenge when you're trying to think about this more generally is figuring out how the meaning of a particular word is changing based on the context that you see. So if you want to take a simple example, like a machine translation task, you have a string of words in, let's say, English, and you need to transform them into a string of words in, let's say, French. And as you know, if you speak a little bit of English and a little bit of French, like you usually don't do a machine translation that's 
word for literal word, right? So there'll yeah, be... Yeah, that you end up with really weird results that way. Yeah, so you have to expand certain phrases or expand certain words out into phrases. You have to do, put phrases into words. The word order will change. Um, you know, there's different rules about how like pronouns and antecedents work, all this kind of stuff. So generally what happens if you want to do something like this, that was my dog sneezing. Uh, um, so generally what happens if you want to do something like this is, and, and, and in particular thinking about how the attention mechanism operates here. So you have two recurrent neural nets. Let's imagine one of them is doing the reading and it's understanding, air quotes here, uh, what the source material is is saying this it's reading in the image if you want in the analogy with computer uh-huh. vision and yeah. then it needs to produce this second uh string of words this is now instead of a label in the case of computer vision it's another string of text which is the translation and so if you imagine those two strings lined up one on top of the other and you imagine maybe a little line that's drawn from each word in let's say the english sentence to its french counterpart in some cases, those words will be they'll be in the same order. There will be a one-to-one correspondence, but there will also be places where the strings are going to be going from, say, the early part of one sentence to the later part of the other. There might be several strings that get pulled up together in French and they become a single word in English or vice mm. versa. So there's a little bit of, if you were to imagine those strings as kind of the weights between the different words in the two sentences, the weights aren't clearly lining up, but instead there's potentially different configurations that they can have where they correspond to each other. Does that make sense so far? That the only does, part actually, we're done. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and actually I just want to pause for a second and um, connect up something that I know, which is that in programming, this is, there's this idea of an abstract syntax tree, which people usually just call an AST. And, um, this can be useful if you want to transpile or convert is another word for that between let's say an older a newer version of javascript to an older version of javascript uh, or maybe even something like i don't know javascript to python or, or something like that it's a bit of a contrived example but basically what happens is you have your javascript and then you have an ast you, you pull it apart into an ast which an ast is just a representation of what is happening in your in your line of code. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then the second half is you take that AST and you smush it back together and you convert it into Python or something. The reason that this works so well is that programming languages are um, are unambiguous. If you have a line of yes. JavaScript, yes. <laughs> uh, you know exactly what it means. There is no context. I mean, maybe there's context in like where in an expression it is. What does a dot mean, right? But it is extremely predictable. And so you can take this unambiguous language, turn it into this unambiguous structure, your AST, and then turn that into a different unambiguous language. And you never get any errors unless there's a... a bug with your ST conversion <laughs> implementation or something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem with language is that it is extremely ambiguous. All of these words mean different things. Like you gave a, a couple of examples. Um, so it makes sense why you couldn't just hard code a little, you know, English to AST to French uh, converters or, or whatever 
you would need to use something like machine learning, which takes a, a huge corpus of information and um, tries to learn what these different things mean. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think that's actually a really good setup for... That's my dog. <laughs> yeah, cool. So I think that's a really good setup actually for the second part of talking about attention because it it shows you know the places where some of the real challenge lies here. So as you said, there's a a clarity around programming languages that natural languages don't usually have. For example, let's imagine that you have a for loop in Java that you're translating into a for loop in Python. Uh, there's going to be some characters there that are the you know the counter the interval uh, you know dummy variable that's um, indexing your for loop right, and so you can imagine that there's a pretty clear mapping from what that character or word is or whatever in Java to its counterpart in Python. And that makes things, you know, it's kind of cut and dry. Yeah, exactly. There's a clear conceptual mapping between uh, what you're doing in your first language to what you're doing in your second language in an unambiguous way to get from one to your structure in between to the, to the output language. Right. But natural language isn't the same way. Like stuff can be all mixed around. It can be expanded. It can be compressed. And so that's where a lot of the challenges is. Is like where should you be looking in the other sentence to find, say, the word that you're trying to translate right now? And so the way that attention solves this problem is it actually makes that part of what the neural net is trying to learn or what you're training it for. So if you think about generally what a neural net's trying to do, there's like some sort of objective function that it's uh, doing like a gradient descent sort of algorithm as you feed in more data and it gets things right. One of the things it learns is, you know, the weights that are internal, the internal structure of the algorithm and blah, 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 blah. So there's a couple, there's a couple tricks there. Um, but one is that you have this objective function that's differentiable. And so the twist on this that you get from attention is it says one of the things that you're trying to learn is where over the sequence to direct your focus. And moreover, let's do a couple of mathematical tricks so that that's something that we can incorporate into what we're actually training the neural net for in the first place. It's, we can fit over that in the same way that we can over an objective function. And so what you end up with is instead of just having a one-to-one -one correspondence, like this word in this sentence gets translated to that word in that sentence. Instead, it's this word in this sentence is more like a distribution over all of the words in the other sentence. And that distribution has to do with, you know, the weights with which the first word gets tied to each word in the second sentence. And, but the word that it's actually being translated as, or some of the most relevant words that it's being translated as, those are where the weights are the strongest. So it's uh, kind of saying like, I can see everything in this sentence. I'm, I'm walking through the sentence and I have this word in the middle of the sentence and I can see all of the words in the other sentence. So they're all in my, they're all in my field of view, but the attention mechanism is going to be basically rewarding me for picking the most relevant word or words or phrases from the other sentence. And so it's not a hard and fast answer that you get back. It doesn't say it's just this one word and none of the others, but instead it's, it's kind of a softer, a softer function over all of the words, if that makes sense. Okay. Let me repeat it back to you and see if I uh, got it or totally missed it. Okay. So like if we, if we take the sentence 
this is my cat, and he is awesome. And he is awesome. He's sleeping right next to me. Uh -huh. um, for each of the words in the sentence, your algorithm would understand maybe or would create a weighting of each word to each other word. So like if you take the word awesome, it uh, connects very strongly to the word cat because that's the that's what we're talking about. We're talking about my cat and awesome is the adjective that describes my cat, even though it's really far away in the sentence. And then maybe also the adjective awesome relates to the word he, because he is the same thing as cat is. Is is that close? It's related, but it's not exactly... Let me give you another sentence where it's a little bit more interesting, because okay. this is my cat and he is awesome. You could actually translate that into French almost exactly word for word, and it would be very tidy. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, in Klingon, it would be totally different word order. Sure. Yeah. So let's come but up no, with an example. none of our listeners speak Klingon, so... <laughs> well, I bet, I bet somebody does, but... Yeah. Let's come up with an example in French. So in French, if you wanted to talk about CERN, this is just one that I happen to be super familiar with, right? CERN is the super collider. Yes. Uh, so CERN is an acronym, C-E-R-N, which is, en français, it is, um, apologies for my pronunciation here, Centre European pour Recherche Nucléaire. So if we were to translate that literally word for word into English, Centre European for Research Nuclear, which is, of course, not how we would say it. We would say the mm -hmm. European Centre for Nuclear Research. So you can see already we're starting to jumble around the word order. And so when you're translating that phrase, you can imagine, you know, we, we actually kind of have this, we have the same number of words in the French and English sentences. So it's just, there's, we expect a one-to-one -one mapping of words. It's just the order is going to be changing, right? Mm -hmm. So we start in French with centre, but in English, that's the second word because it's European center. So you imagine there's a little, a little line that connects the first word in French to the second word in English. Mm -hmm. And the second word in French is European, and in English it's center. So we took, you know, those two words and we swapped them back and forth. And then we're going to do something kind of similar with recherche nucléaire and uh, nuclear research. So when you're translating this and thinking about attention now, the attention mechanism, you have this word, centre, let's say in French, and you have a number of different words that you can be focused on when you do the translation. You can look at, in English, European, you can look at center, you can look at four, you can look at nuclear, or you can look at research. Those are your, those are your options. Right. And so the attention mechanism says, I'm actually, I'm not going to decide, make a hard and fast rule over which of these words, if any, is the way I'm going to translate centre. Instead, I'm going to say that there's a certain amount of weight that every single one of those words words gets and the weight gets kind of dialed up and down depending on what I learned from my training process. And so at the end of that, I'm going to say the weight between center and centre is, it's a very high weight, like let's say it's 0.98, but it's not the entire thing. It's not, uh, it's not a binary thing, but instead there's mm -hmm. some small amount of centre that also gets translated as, um, 
European and research and for and nuclear and all of the other words. And so what that means, and you know, likewise for all of the other words that you're translating. And so what that means is that all of the words in the one sentence have connections to all of the words in the second sentence. And you're just kind of tuning how much it's paying attention to each of the corresponding words by adjusting the weights that connects them. Right. So initially, when you were talking about which words translate to which words, I imagined you had the French on top and the English below, and you ended up with uh, these lines just one-to-one, crossing, some of them crossing, making a little X or whatever. But what you're saying is it's actually more like maybe those lines are pretty dark, but there's actually a faint line, or, or a line maybe faint, maybe not as faint, going between, uh, from every word to every single other word. Yes, exactly. And the thing that makes that really important and really powerful is that it changes the problem from I'm doing this hard one-to-one mapping or this hard binary, like either it's on or it's off mapping. That's not the game I'm playing here, right? I'm doing something that's, or the, the actual thing that I'm learning is a continuous weight And that means that I can make a differentiable function with those weights, which means that I can feed them into something like a gradient descent, and I can actually learn them as part of training the algorithm. So that was a lot of math jargon. Yeah, that was real fast. (laughs) (laughs) But the main point that I'm making is that the thing that you, it sounds kind of weird in this example that you would say that 2% of the weight of Sansa gets translated as recherche nucleaire and all this kind of stuff. But what that enables under the hood is that's a that's a key insight for allowing this mapping to be one of the things that actually gets learned. And of course that mapping or that it's not really a mapping, right? It's the it's the attention mechanism. It's where you're paying attention, it's where your focus is. It doesn't mean that if we wanted to, you know, kind of go back to the original metaphor of you have your field of vision and there's the thing that you're focused on, but there's all the stuff in the periphery, you know, the stuff in the periphery is still there. It's still something that if something, if something funny happens out there, you can shift your attention over as need, as need be, but it's helps to come back to the, to the original premise of the episode. It helps me to understand why we called, why they might've called this attention in the first place. Interesting. So in a sense, you're not looking for It feels like conceptually what you're saying is you're not looking for the one translation of this word. You are looking instead at the holistic relationships of every word to every other word. And then from those relationships, you are deriving deriving the actual relationships that you're going to choose when you actually do your translation. Yes, I think that's actually a really good way of thinking about it, that you have a whole concept of this sentence that you're mapping onto this whole other concept and that we're not trying to get, we're not trying to introduce this bottleneck in the middle of we need to boil it down to a single vector or something like that, but instead we have much more flexibility about how all the different parts of those two sentences could be connecting with each other. Interesting. So in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I was describing abstract syntax trees, what that fundamentally is, is you're taking a thing, you're uh, translating it into some sort of a more universal version of the thing, and then you're translating that into 
say the thing in a different language. So you go English to this abstract thing to French or Java to this abstract thing to Python. But what you're saying is rather than having that intermediary that is a um, universal single representation of the thing that you are translating from and then also to, you are instead uh, allowing these two things to actually talk to each other more directly. And you're, you're focusing on the relationships between each of these individual words in the left sentence versus the right one. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And just to be clear, there are definitely versions of neural nets and stuff that have a more, you know, they, they do kind of do that trick of abstracting something down to into this like embedded space and then blowing it back, back up into some other space and doing translations and whatnot that way. That's just not what attention is. Um, yeah. And so attention is this, the reason that people are into it is because it's relatively recent and it's been powering some of the more uh, interesting and innovative advances, uh, especially out of NLP in the last year or so. But yeah, that's what that's exactly what we're talking about here. Awesome. That was an interesting journey because at the beginning, based on the way that you were kind of setting it up, I thought I knew where we were going. I thought we were going, you know, from the original to the abstract thing to the translation. But in fact, that's almost that's almost the world that we're contrasting against. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really interesting. So as with many of the things we cover here, there were a couple of good resources that I dug up in the course of researching this. And in some cases do a, they have some of those pictures that we've tried to paint with our words, but that are much better just as pictures and, and so on explaining some of these concepts. So we will put a couple of those links onto lineardigressions.com if that is your jam and you can check them out there. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.